we all have to accept a simpler lifestyle. And this is a key, I think, to a healthy economy. We don't need to grow if interest rates are taken out of the equation because they're a fundamental reason that corporations need feel that they need to grow. Um, a healthy economy would be one where uh, if there are profits, that they're shared throughout the corporation. Uh, Benjamin Krim once said that, you know, a capitalistic system in this age that we're entering into was everyone in a corporation would be paid the same amount of money and then whatever the profits were would be split out. No, I think that'll be a heart attack for people in the United States. <laughs> but um, that's, that's just how different that things can be set up or arranged. So the masters have this viewpoint. That's so, not something that any corporation in the country, there are corporations who do benefit their employees quite a bit with bonuses and spreading the profit, but not as much as they benefit themselves and what they're paying themselves. So uh, uh, I think a healthy economy has to have a lot of leisure time for people, a lot more leisure time than we're getting because we're not we're not just factors. We don't the logos of this planet didn't create it so that we would be factors of production. We're support, we have a spiritual life, a spiritual side, and um, however we set up an economy so that we have more time for that, whether it be art or music or whatever. That is a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. In response to the heartfelt voices of an awakening humanity, we have evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future. Hello everyone, I'm your host, David Mina. And today on Planetary Makeover, we're tackling the economy. Now, you've seen our show before, you know that our focus is primarily on the emergence of the world teacher Maitreya and his group, the Masters of Wisdom. These are spiritual teachers, not religious figures. They're not looking for followers and they don't need you to believe in them. But their central message is share and save the world. The equitable sharing of the world's resources to end poverty and war which seems to be at odds with the world's preoccupation with money nowadays. But to help us sort this all out, our guest today is Scott Champion, who is an international financial analyst, and he'll help us wade through this morass of confusion, chaos, and greed that the world seems to be gripped in today. And welcome, Scott. Uh, good afternoon, David. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here today. And it's a delight to have you here. And I'm sure our audience is going to enjoy what you had to share as much as I have. Now, since we mentioned that our focus here is on the emergence of the world teacher and his group, the Masters of Wisdom, and their focus is on equality, I'm wondering, from your perspective, Scott, what are the dangers inherent in not addressing this inequality and inequity throughout the world? 
Well, on a country level, if there's this tremendous inequality that you do see in almost every country in the world today, eventually the people are going to rebel and rise up, revolt, and you can get into overthrow of governments. It becomes very messy. It becomes very extreme. A lot of killing. Um, in the country to country, if one country uh, begins to suffer too much, if they're um, subjugated too much by other countries, they'll also get the rise up. And, of course, that's very dangerous these days because countries have nuclear weapons. A lot of countries have nuclear weapons, more than admit to it. So, you know, creating equity in the relationships, international relationships and within countries and um, local levels, regional levels, there has to be some level of basic fairness. Or, you know, people know that the situation they're in today, it's not fair. You, you know, a situation where less than 1% of the world's population controls 85, 90% of the world's wealth. And it's getting worse every year, not better. And governments are beginning to wake up to it, but, you know, they're very slow, they're very far behind, and their political, the political masters are the very wealthy, the organizations and the people with stupendous fortunes, and they can buy the politicians very easily. I was just reading that... Um, one of the major pharmaceuticals contributed $75 million to Congress uh, this, over this past year. But, you know, this is a $75 billion sales corporation. So they really were able to influence Congress at a high level with a very tiny amount of money for them. And this, like, for instance, this is why our, you know, we pay so much more for our pharmaceuticals than they do in the rest of the world. Tremendously much more we pay in this country than the rest of the world. And this is what having money buys you. You can buy the political process. And that's been going on for decades, very seriously in the United States, and I'm sure in many other countries as well. So a mi minority of the world's population is using a majority of the resources and wasting much of it and throwing greed into the mix as well. Hmm. So given that, what would you say that true economic justice would look like? Well, the, Mache and the masters, they're going to tell, tell us that we have to share the world's resources. This is fundamental, one, to not only having a healthy planet, but it's also fundamental that we don't destroy everyone in a global thermonuclear war, because that's where we're headed if we don't share the resources. Ultimately, we're going to get to that point. And you can see some of it today, you know, working out between Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> And the, the West pumping in weapons. And, you know, this, this situation could certainly become extremely more volatile than it is at present. Um, so to share the resources of the world, I, I talked to Benjamin Cram, who was a primary spokesman for Maitreya's, um, wrote many books on the subject and spent 35, 36 years of his life traveling the world, announcing the existence and emergence of the world teacher. In a conversation I had with him you know, six or seven years ago, he said the masters see that there's nine economic plans that would work where the resources of the world could be shared equitably. And the, the reason to share, uh, just say, let me just go back a second. Maitreya would say an economy that's 70% socialism and 30% capitalism, it will do the most good for the most number of people. And that's his aim. His aim's not to create the most good for that 0 0.001. 
the you know often hear about 0.1%, but that really is 0.001. It's not one one hundred, it's one one thousand. And those one one thousand in the world, they basically have almost everything. Everyone else is struggling to keep a roof over their head, to feed themselves, have medical care, uh, to educate themselves. These are the fundamental, these fundamentals will become the main human rights in the future. Housing, food, healthcare, and education. And he'll show us he'll, he'll show us how to do that. Um, but it'll be flexible. Like the countries, no one has to choose. The countries will decide for themselves. Nothing's going to be forced on them. I believe in the United States, for instance, I wouldn't be surprised if we keep a more capitalistic component, nor would I be surprised if the country splits up into regions of groups that want to work together more toward the socialist vein. I can see some regions of the country that are probably not as well educated. They tend to be behind in the movements that began in the country. Most movements in this country now begin on the West Coast and come across. But we have regions of the country that are still decades behind the West, Western uh, Western states. So nothing is going to be forced on anyone. That's important. Human free will cannot be infringed. But with the masters being in the world, there'll be a voice for everyone. Because right now, the very wealthy, they control the media, all of it. They control the broadcast networks. They control the cable channels. They control the newspapers. Um, What we do get in alternative news these days is very difficult to understand what's true and what's not, including in normal news is also very getting more and more difficult to understand where truth is. But the masters, they are truth itself. And so when they say something, this is the way it will be. And I believe a substantial, at least half the world's going to get behind them very quickly. And there's never been a time in history when half of the population of the world was standing behind a group of ideas or ideals that'll be laid in front of us that if you really want to save yourselves and save the planet, this is the direction we have to go. And this all makes so much sense, Scott. Why are we still hoarding and wasting resources, mostly here in the West? Well, I think fundamental to capitalism uh, is greed. I mean, I don't know how you reduce it down to anything more than that market forces, uh, which Maitreya has called the forces of evil. Well, they are fundamentally about greed, that people just cannot um, seem to get enough. Whatever they can grasp to themselves, however great the, the m- amount, they want more and more and more. And you see this in these, you know, these $500 million yachts that they're trying to grab with the Russians these days all over the world. And one man has four or five or six of them. And of course, there's stupendous amounts they're paying for great paintings, of course, but they're paying three and $400 million for them. And so, you know, they've got so much money, they don't really know what to do with it. I mean, that's, that's a fact. They buy trophy properties all over the world, but even that's only $100 million. What do you do when you're trying to deal with billions and billions and billions? Why, mm-hmm. anyone, why anyone needs that amount of money or, or should have it? I mean, I think that's a fundamental question humanity has to face one day. And speaking of humanity, I know that I had read in one of Benjamin Krem's books that, to, to paraphrase um, Maitreya, that humanity is one. And when we can look into the eyes of our brethren and see ourselves, then this will start to change all that you have laid out. And you mentioned 
something important here, Scott, market forces. And I'm wondering what role they had to play. Is there anything positive and what is the negative aspect? I know you said that Maitreya had mentioned that they're evil because, of the, because they have inequality built into them. How do we get to this point? Well, I think the biggest problem with market forces is they don't have any social consciousness. They don't care about people. They don't care about the planet. I always think of it as a gigantic metal press that stamps into a balloon and just cuts a, cuts a piece, cuts a piece, cuts a piece, and whatever gets in the way, whether it's a human leg or foot or arm or the, or the health of the planet, it doesn't matter. It just, it just keeps stamping out profits. That's what it does. That's what it's designed to do. It doesn't think about resources as in that they need care. Human beings need these. They need housing, food, healthcare, and education. It's universal rights. They just look at making maximum profits and to heck with everything else. So greed is fundamental to, to that thinking. You know, capitalism itself, the reason Maitreya says uh, you have to have two wheels to make a car grow, some socialism and some capitalism, is capitalism is very dynamic. And it's, it's, it's flexible, it's fluid, it's able to adapt. It gives us these great technologies, which we quickly enslave ourselves to voluntarily in many cases. But it has, it has um, evolutionary potential. It's not static. One of the great failures of the old Soviet Union, which was really not communism, but it was state capitalism, is they lacked the freedom. They lacked the movement. It was incredibly static. Um, so in the West, we have great freedom, great mobility and uh, tremendous flexibility in our economic system to adapt. So th that's the positive side of it. But the negative side of it is in the past 50 years, um, labor in the United States has lost $50 trillion to capital. Labor share of the economy and income has gone like this. And that 0.001 or 1% has gone like this. The gap is $50 trillion, about $2.5 per year now. And, you know, when people are struggling so hard to just get by, just to have a little apartment and car and some food and, you know, basic things, they struggle and struggle and they fall in debt. While the other people at the point oh one, they have everything. They, they live like gods, basically. You know, they've got, they don't even have little private jets anymore. They have 747s. You know, it's gotten so extreme. And I know you had mentioned, um, in the past, I heard you talk about that there are whole economic schools just devoted to the this whole notion of market forces, and that they sort of look askance at the rest of us as if we we don't know what's going on. And you also mentioned a quote from Maitreya, which reminds me, which is related to something else he had said, or he may have said at the same time, that the Wagon can't run on one wheel, as he said. It needs at least two. And he said, with communism or, and or socialism, you had justice, but not freedom. And with capitalism, you had freedom, but not justice. And then, of course, in comes that quote you mentioned, the wagon can't run on one wheel. Right. Well... You know, the, not, the masters, they don't identify with any isms. They don't identify with socialism or capitalism or any particular idealism, whether it's some religious idealism, uh, you know, Christian thinking or Muslim thinking or Hindu thinking or Buddhist thinking. They don't identify with all, any of that. They simply, they're very practical. They take the best from anything. So in, they take the best from capitalism, the best from socialism, 
and they want to blend these two energies together so that the most people on the planet can have the most good done for them. And we don't think that way in the West. We, we, we have set it up and, we, you know, the mental conditioning in the United States in particular um, is that socialism is evil and it, it's about the lowest uh, ranking thing that you could uh, say of someone or of an economic system. They control the minds of almost everyone in the United States in this regard. There's no education in the U.S. universities about socialism. It's all, all the business schools have been funded by the big business interests. So it's all about market forces, all about why this is the best, all the training. And they seriously believe in market forces above all else because they're the ones benefiting from it. They can manipulate those forces to their own benefit. They're the ones with all the capital. And the ones with all the capital day, all the benefits flow to those people, all the new technologies, investing in new technologies. And they just become wildly, they, they have wealth today that kings of the past cannot imagine. And how long is it going to take for us to get beyond this mental conditioning, to learn more about socialism and other forms of government and adapt some of these new policies? What is holding us back? Well, I think um, Benjamin Cram and his master has indicated that it will only take about two or three years to feed everyone in the world that's currently starving or uh, undernourished. That, you know, the, the distribution systems exist in the world. This is a great thing capitalism has done. It's, it's created these vast distribution networks. Uh, we can get the food to where people are hungry. We just don't do it. So I think that will go very quickly. I think some people will have to die out. People who have been conditioned so long for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, people like myself, you know, they're elderly. It's hard to change uh, your ideals and your ideas. And I think it may, they may have trouble embracing these new ideas. I think many of the young people will not have much trouble embracing them. They'll be a very powerful force. But I also think that when people see that the masters mean no harm, um, that things will actually go better because of that, that, uh, you know, they'll say, well, you know, things are, if, let's say we have a big uh, crash, economic or financial crash. And they say, well, you know, what, what, why not try it? You know, maybe it'll work out. I, I think if things are difficult in the world, if, if people are really suffering even more than they are today, and many people are suffering on this planet today, but if it even gets worse and it gets into the pocket of the middle class and the wealthy, then, you know, maybe um, more and more people be open to trying something new. I don't think it's easy. I don't think Matreya has an easy task in front of him, but I also think that he will succeed. So how long, you know, 10 years, 30 years? I have no idea. How quickly can we do it? I don't know. Um, you remind me, too, of another quote from Benjamin Krem, that author, esotericist, and artist who we've been talking about. He had said that an open mind is one of the rarest things on the planet and everybody thinks they have an open mind, but what do we do in a new concept? Like the ones you're introducing to us today, which in a lot of ways aren't new, but we haven't been paying attention. What do we do when these are introduced to us? We run it by what we already know. If it agrees, we let it in. If not, we kick it out. We don't even stop to ask, well, Scott, I don't have a frame of reference for that. Could you go into that further? Which I'm sure you'd be happy to do. So um, Mr. Kremitz said, this is part of the reason we progress so slowly. And if you think back 
60 years when they thought by now we'd have flying cars and we'd have gone to Jupiter, they'd be really disappointed um, where we are at. Now, and speaking of where we are at, you mentioned the political system and how it doesn't take a lot of money really to buy a lot of politicians because these huge corporations have so much money to begin with. They spread it around. They can make quite an impact on the, the whole political system. And speaking of small groups of people, I know that one of the other authors we've relied upon for information on this topic, Alice A. Ba- Bailey, who, like Benjamin Krem, had spoke about the masters and about that ancient body of knowledge known as the ageless wisdom teaching. And she had said that a small group of people controlled most of the world's resources. And she said that back in the 1940s. Has it changed much today and how so? Well, what I remember specifically, because she was, Alice Bailey was the amanuensis for the Tibetan master Jalku, often called the master DK. And uh, what he said was five families pretty much control the global food um, supply, meaning particularly at that time, the grains. And then I recently, two or three years ago, saw an article who said five families are controlling the, <laughs> the global uh, food supply, the gra- grains. I'm sure Cargill family is one of them here in the U.S. But um, it's astonishing. And the t- Tibetan also said uh, that I found very interesting about this, that, you know, what is the nature of evil? He, he mentioned like a, a mafia person who um, basically killed people. I mean, there's no nice way to say it. You know, who's the more evil? Uh, someone like that who will eventually in a later life mature and stop that type of behavior or the people who are controlling the global grain trade and uh, denying that food to many, many millions, if not a billion of people in the world. So where is the real evil? And, you know, you know so, I mean, it has to make us think that uh, these people who basically have cartels, the business interests, the capitalist interests, the political interests, they all work together. And, and they keep the system as it is. They keep the benefits flowing to themselves to the detriment of literally several billion people. And indeed, you're, um, you're right. It, today, uh, speculation, which I think we probably touch more on later, is something that is quite widespread. They're even speculating on food and water now which means a few make millions while millions starve. So if this system is predicated on endless growth, that endless growth, Scott, is that good or bad? And why is that? Well, we live on a finite planet. It has so many resources and we consume them and we burn them and we destroy them. And one day, uh, many of them will be gone. They'll change into some other form. Um, and we don't respect this home of ours, what we call Earth. Maitreya will teach us that the climate crisis and environment is much worse than we think, that we have to take radical action to save our home. Um, I don't know what else I'd say about it, David. That, um, that would just about cover it. Because, yeah, yes, you mentioned the the climate and the environment and how this whole system and attitude is wrecking it and that we have to get past this if we're going to save the planet and save ourselves. 
Now, as we mentioned earlier, we hear from Maitreya, the world teacher, and his group, the Masters of Wisdom, that sharing is the answer, the equitable sharing of the world's resources to end poverty and war. And there are plans in effect, as you mentioned, or that have been laid out, we're waiting to put in effect, to make this a reality. So how do we go beyond the theoretical notion that I just put forth, share and save the world, and make it a reality? Yeah, I don't personally believe we'll make much progress in that until Maitreya is completely in the world and acknowledges the world teacher. And he has the ability to give us an experience to um, pretty much remove all doubt from certainly a number of billions of people. Those plans, I believe, were never made public because this 0.001% of the world that basically has the world in its grip, I believe they would undermine that had they been released in 1985, they would have had all this time to undermine those plans. And they're very good at it. So people being born, they would hear how evil this is, this thinking is, it would be very difficult to overcome. So the masters will lay this in front of us, I think in a time of probably great difficulty, probably a stock market crash or economic crash of a magnitude maybe we've never experienced that somehow, you know, since 19, late 1980s, when Greenspan bailed out the stock market in 1987, they continue to do the same thing. Every time there's a crisis, they just print massive amounts of money and push it into the banking system. It goes into speculation and they just make those people richer and richer and richer. They never pay the price for their speculation. Maitreya has said that, you know, speculation is a great evil and it's certainly destroying the world. It takes over, it takes over the human mind even. It becomes the be all and end all of, of life. We've gotten so far away from what life really is about because we're just factors of production, resources to be used so people make more money. Um, we're going to be shown a completely different type of life. Maitreya has said, let me show you a, a, a time when no two days are alike. You know, life can be so much better than what we all have today and the way we live it because the, the crush on human beings to provide for themselves, to keep the roof, food, um, the basics, uh, water, utilities, transportation, education, to get provide these for ourselves, it's very difficult. You know, there's probably one and a half billion people on this planet that cannot really do it at all. They're living in metal sheds and lean-tos all over the world, these great slums and these huge cities. It's horrible while people are living this other life. You know, if we, if we reroute that wealth and those resources down to where it's needed, a lot of progress would be made. You know, when Maitreya talks about sharing the resources, people get afraid that he, it means that he's going to come after our savings account or our 401k. But he doesn't mean this at all. He, he, it's not going to be an attack on private property. It has to do with using the economic system to distribute resources more fairly. No, no one's going to have anything yanked from them. You won't be writing a check to Somalia because things are bad there. You certainly can, of course. That's great. But it's not a personal sacrifice in the way people normally think about sharing, which is a spiritual sacrifice, really, when people really share what they have extra with those in need, but it's it's just like capitalism today is a system, and there's basically no real socialism in the world, so you can't point to it. But 
any system can be restructured so that the benefits flow more equitably to everyone. It's, the game is not to make everyone ev- completely equal in the economic sense. I don't believe that's what's going to happen, or not for maybe 100 years or 200 years. As we go through this transformation going forward, there's still going to be uh, wealthy people. Even if we have a complete stock market crash, computer systems collapse, everything goes down, the wealthy still own all the land in the world. They're still going to be wealthy. But what we have today is this digital wealth. There's there's not any real substance to it. It's just it's just cyber wealth. It's just zeros after some numbers. And of course, they can turn it into something physical. But for the most part, these stocks that they own, these trillions of dollars, it's really just an accounting uh, mechanism that shows how much they're worth, however many shares times the share price. It's not you know, nothing real can be lost in a collapse or any type of economic collapse. Everything real, the factories, the cars, the housing, the land, the trees, the agriculture, everything is still there. Water, it's all still there. So what we will lose really is probably our glamour or our emotional attachment to this digital wealth that we all seek. Uh, we see that as a way to solve our problems if we can just get more of it. Well, the other way to solve those problems is through a system that treats everybody more equitably and makes sure everybody has these things as a universal right. There's so much fear in people to provide for themselves today. They're doing everything imaginable. And also never in any time in history has the rich paraded its wealth before the poor like they do today. Everyone's on these private jets and all these influencers are showing this fabulous life that they have. And many, many times it's an illusion anyway. But, you know, the normal person can't figure out why these people have private jets and they can't, they can't afford to keep a 15-year-old car running. You know, this has got to stop. Yes, and in our current system, as you said, there are millions worldwide, even billions of people who know under the current system, They'll never have any of that. Drives people into despair, into self-destruction, into crime, into drugs, anything to alleviate that pain. And I know you had mentioned uh, the wealthy and uh, the speculation. I think it was Maitreya, the world teacher, or Benjamin Krem, or both, talking about how there's very little real goods that change hands in that market it's all buy sell buy sell on the phone all day and that it's basically just a international gambling casino right and this is what we're waiting to have collapse and that perhaps since with this long wait since we all thought well not all of us but those who had heard of this emergence of the world teacher Maitreya and the masters of wisdom, also known as the spiritual hierarchy of the planet or mankind's elder brothers, meaning, of course, that you and I will one day, many lifetimes from now, be a master of wisdom too. Since we've waited so long for this, perhaps now it won't take so long once it unfolds that since it's happening now instead of 30 years ago, perhaps, Scott, things will change more quickly when it does occur? I think that's true, David. I, I think had it happened in the 80s, it would have been very slow going. Um, many, many people today are aware that something's wrong. 
you see an uprising on the right. Uh, they don't like the situation that they're in, and they they blame people of other countries, different colors. But the key thing, looking at it, is that they're upset. You know, they don't they don't think what's happened to them is fair. They've been marked down, as it were, and um, so this will lead to racism and sexism and uh, difficulty between the religions. Um, but um, I'm, I'm completely in agreement. It has to it has to go this route in order to change. I think it will go more quickly simply because more people are aware that they're um, one, they're probably fed up with seeing all this wealth displayed in front of them. For one thing, I think that will backfire on everyone and whether people are on the right or the left, a great many people know that something's wrong. They just don't see how to solve it. They don't see any hope in solving it. We all know, I mean, almost everyone on this planet that's honest with themselves know we have a huge environmental situation. But no one really sees how to solve it. There's no practical, the fossil fuels are embedded in our lives today. There doesn't appear to be any easy substitute. Just 84% of all energy consumption is fossil fuels. And they've made a lot of progress. They'll continue to make a lot of progress. But as long as we keep using them, the environment's going to keep deteriorating. So many, many people see the problems, but finding that solution is really seems outside of human grasp. And you mentioned um, energy. You made me think of something else that uh, the author and artist and esotericist Benjamin Krem had spoke of. And I think that Maitreya may have touched upon it from time to time as well, is clean energy, green energy, we like to call it these days. And to give an example, nuclear fusion instead of nuclear fission, and that we could substitute that and it would be safe. And likewise for some of the other forms um, of energy. For instance, we have an oil spill, it's a disaster. If we have a sun spill, you know, it's a great day. Um, but to bring this back to the personal and America's lack of understanding of some of what you're describing because of a lack of education, have you or anyone close to you had direct experience with socialism and, and what did that look like? Well, my wife um, grew up in a socialist country and I, I found it fascinating because we don't really know much about it in the West. And I'll just give you two or three things. You know, people didn't worry about their pension because it was guaranteed by the state. You worked. Um, and the, if you if you were smart enough to get into university, everything was taken care of. You had a place to live. Your school was paid for. Your books were paid for. Your food was paid for. You were really taken care of. And if you say that you, um, uh, you're a worker, you had a, everyone had a job. If you were a worker, you got pregnant. You were mandated to spend about two, two and a half years with that child. Your job was protected. You had it to come back to. But they invested in that relationship, the mother-child relationship, for two, two and a half years. I mean, that's, that's in this country, six weeks is considered, you know, an extraordinary time to receive before you got to go back to work. So there are many things that they did better than we did. You know, people, they didn't have uh, starving people. Everyone had access to food. And um, it's not to say that there were not tremendous problems with that system because it, it had a socialist component, but on the money side, it was state capitalism. Mr. Krim used to say that really it was state capitalism. But um, 
true, true socialism or true communism has never been attempted. The mm -hmm. closest to it is probably the Scandinavian countries, which routinely come in all the polls as the happiest countries on earth. And even they're only about 45% socialist, Mr. Trim told me, where the United States is about 5%. So what we need, it, it would appear, Scott, is some sort of synthesis. Um, as we're seeing the beginnings of in America today, um, sort of, you know, instead of socialism over here and capitalism over there, sort of democratic socialism and social democracy. Well, we have socialism. It's just for the corporations. You know, that's, I mean, and I mean that seriously. Um, anytime there's big money, like the 2008 financial crisis, where the whole system was going down and these trillions of dollars were put into the system, um, that was socialism for the investment banks and the main banks and the people involved in derivatives, the people who held all the assets in this country. And even though it appeared that the people got a lot of money, the truth was that's just so they could keep up their car payments and their house payments. And so all the people at the top, no, nothing really changed for them. It, it came very close. The money markets, three trillion money markets came so close to failing without those bailouts. But see, they came. So the, the wealthy continued. That's, that's just pure socialism. But people in this country don't understand. They grew up in public education. Well, that's socialism. But if you were to ask them, well, you know, are you pretty well educated? You're happy with the education you got going growing up? That most of them would say, yeah, I'm, I'm educated. I'm fine. Well, that's socialism that did that. You and know? yet if you mention it, they'll have a meltdown. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so um, since we're, we're talking about corporations, you know, we hear a lot today about the malfeasance of corporations. What good are they doing um, besides making profits? Well, I think they're uh, doing a surprising a lot of good in some ways. I, without naming the company, I recently went to work for a corporation, a large corporation. I was astonished at how much they emphasize right relationship. You know, no matter what a person declares themselves to be in this company, you have to respect it or you're gone. So I, I realized that, um, you know, the, um, the young people are going through, you know, quite an explosion of identity and how they declare themselves. And this particular corporation is completely behind it. And, you know, you'll be drummed out of the workforce if you don't get in, um, get in line and respect these other people. You know, you cannot attack someone. You cannot say anything negative about them. You can't bring your religion up, say it violates your religion, you have to, you have to um, toe the company line on this. But the toe the company line, in, in my point of view, it's just having respect for each person. Um, you know, it's, it is an early exhibition of right human relations that I think, which this age before us, uh, the Tibetan master Jokul had said the Christ is going to construct the new age on the superstructure of right human relations as laid down by the Buddha. So, you know, you're, we're getting to see this in places. You know, the old, old people, old forces, um, they're going to struggle with it. But, you know, we're going into a new time, a new age, new energies. Um, the, I think the young people will probably take it to places that we can't even imagine today. And it's an inclusive time. It's a time of unity and synthesis. This extreme individuality that came out of this 
previous few hundred years or a couple thousand years is going to be dying away. And that's um, extraordinary. I had some experience with that too. I worked for a company which will remain nameless and it honored all types of groups. And when I got harassed and didn't report it, I got called into the office for not reporting yeah. being harassed. Whereas in the past, of course, you just had to, you just had to live with it. Now, now that we've established that corporations aren't always the boogeyman and that there is some of these principles creeping into the economic fields, I was wondering, as far as this inequality and uh, the possession of resources and the um, extreme inequality in sharing, how can we, how can we get to the system of sharing that we've been describing and, and out of the morass that we're in currently? Well, there's many people who believe um, Benjamin Chris Master always said we're going to have a financial collapse that will lead to an economic collapse. And it has to be, obviously, it must be orders of magnitude larger than 1987, 2000, 2008, and the recent uh, 2020 collapse with COVID. So I assume that it will come out of a situation that's very difficult uh, and maybe a loss of a great deal of this digital wealth um, and people will be lost. They'll be looking for answers. How do we go forward? It's just my guess is that that will be the time my trail will come forward when people are looking for answers and quickly enough that we don't go back to the old ways because people who lost everything, they're going to be insisting that they get get it restored to them. So in other words, the people that have money now and are controlling the resources the most, they would be willing to help out, for instance, eliminate poverty and, and hunger if they get paid for all these resources they've been hoarding. Well, you know, maybe in some ways, much of what they have today is lost and it suddenly becomes out of their hands. So, you know, a really informed public opinion, which we have to assume Maitreya can do, or Master Jesus can do, um, you know, especially I think in this country, the Master Jesus, um, that um, an informed public citizenry is a very powerful force. And I think um, if we're shown uh, how, how the Christ or the world teacher views the world and these economic and political relationships, how they could be and how they could be structured. I think that he'll carry the day, that humanity will carry the day, that we'll save ourselves. Well, one key thing that Maitreya has said is we all have to accept a simpler lifestyle. And this is a key, I think, to a healthy economy. We don't need to grow if interest rates are taken out of the equation because they're a fundamental reason that corporations need feel that they need to grow um, a healthy economy would be one where uh, if there are profits that they're shared throughout the corporation uh, Benjamin Krim once said that you know a capitalistic system in this age that we're entering into was everyone in a corporation would be paid the same amount of money and then whatever the profits were would be split out no I think that'll be a heart attack for people in the United States <laughs> but um, that's, that's just how different that things can be set up or arranged. So the masters have this viewpoint 
that's not something that any corporation in the country, there are corporations who do benefit their employees quite a bit with bonuses and spreading the profit, but not as much as they benefit themselves and what they're paying themselves. So uh, uh, I think a healthy economy has to have a lot of leisure time for people, a lot more leisure time than we're getting because we're not, we're not just factors. We don't, the logos of this planet didn't create it so that we would be factors of production. We're support, we have a spiritual life, a spiritual side. And um, however we set up an economy so that we have more time for that, whether it be art or music or whatever, um, dance, economics, politics, everything is spiritual if it's done the right way. It's just not done the right way today. Oftentimes, these other areas of life, like people who would like to paint, they're starved of money. Um, a lot of the social, look at the health system in the United States, how much it had been gutted. And then when COVID hit, and I'm talking about at the county level, city level, those departments had been starved. They were in buildings that were so old, they were falling down. There was no money maintained them, the health departments. So we have to make a complete different choice of what life's about. If we're going to continue to say it's about accumulating money, then we're doomed. So mm. I, I think with the masters being in the world, uh, we'll go back to a simpler understanding of life, simpler understanding of the importance of a family, uh, that karma works out primarily in a family. And uh, we will understand and be taught the law of rebirth, that we come back again and again and again until we're perfected. And in this country, the master Jesus will emphasize that. And I once had a conversation with Mr. Cram because I was concerned about what I see is so much uh, anger and violence coming out of the Christian community. And he said, it's just simple hate. And I, you know, the master Jesus is going to take over the Christian churches and it'll be his task to rid them of their man-made dogmas and doctrines. So I don't think that is an easy task, but I do think he will succeed. And when that happens, I think it's going to have a huge effect on the economic system because many Christians today believe the Master Jesus would be a market forces fundamentalist kind of guy. You know, they, he would believe in the free market. It's going to, not going to be like that at all. So a lot of people are going to have to really change their thinking if they want to match the highest thinking on this planet that would then be being demonstrated. That would be from the hierarchy of masses. Thank you, Scott. That brought up a, a, a number of things, primarily that Benjamin Krem had mentioned. He had said that when we have more leisure time, we will be able to think about, consider, ponder upon where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. And right now, we don't have that time. Many of us don't. And that what you had also mentioned, that whole concept of no two days being alike. What a fantastic vision of the future. When people will have a living wage, healthcare, housing, education, a clean environment, and world peace, so that we can start to make progress. Because not having these things has held back the human race. And I don't think, Scott, that a lot of people have thought about that either, either, that this form of economics, this whole mindset is literally holding back the evolution of mankind. And some of what you've presented represents a freeing of humanity 
to move forward. Um, so if you could give us your final thoughts on that. Well, we have to get away from our destructive impulses, and those are very powerful today in finance and uh, the political and economic systems. Um, we're destroying the planet. We have so much anger between nations these days. Uh, in our own country, we have so much anger um, between the right and the left. And when you, when we're taught, we really begin to understand what karma is. And how we create that for ourselves, we create bad karma with all this divisiveness that we're seeing and is spoken, uh, their divisive actions. Uh, when we realize that it comes back to us, and it, of course, makes it very difficult to progress. Uh, when we get a, a right understanding of the law of rebirth and law of karma, then I think it will very much influence economic and political systems. And all the tension in this country uh, will dial down a great bit. But as you know, and I know, one of the things that's happening in the world right now is Maitreya is releasing the sort of cleavage into the world at a tremendous potency. And it is stirring all this up. And this is why it says in the Christian Bible that there'll be nation against nation, you know, father against son, that uh, it is part of the times. And in some sense, he's, he's responsible for it but only in the sense that he is stimulating it. And what is really inside people is what's coming out. Indeed. So he's not responsible for that. But this is bringing everything to loggerheads so we can see the right path to go forward. But right now, there's certainly many people not seeing that path. So, Scott, it looks like we're going to need to have you back. And you reminded me of something else we have here, the little quote here from Maitreya, without sharing, there can be no justice. Without justice, there can be no peace, and without peace, there can be no future. But you're proposing justice, and so I see a bright future for us. And thank you so much, Scott. I think this is probably one of the most enlightening, educational, and mind-expanding episodes we've ever had, and here it is on the subject of economics. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, David. Our pleasure. Thank you, and... Thank you, all of you for tuning in and we'll see you again soon here on Planetary Makeover. And this is a song with words by Maitreya, Learn to Share. How can you be content with the molds within which you now live when Starve and die in squalor. When the rich parade their wealth before the poor, when each man is his neighbor's enemy, when no man trusts his brother, for how long must you live thus, my friend? For how long can you support this degradation? Learn to share, to grasp your brother's hand and know him as yourself. Take your brother's need as the measure for your action and solve the problems of the world. There is no other cause
even the essentials to stay alive. They crowd the city of many of the poorest countries in the world. This crime fills me with shame, my brothers, how can Die before your eyes and call yourselves men. Learn to share, to grasp your brother's hand and know him as yourself. Take your brother's need as the measure for your action and solve the problems of the Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternationalwest.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books and DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com. That's share-ecart.com. We also invite you to watch another show that we really love entitled, What in the World is Happening? And that show, which you don't want to miss, is produced by Share International Canada. And it airs every second and fourth Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The link to check it out is Share dash international dot ca or visit the share international canada facebook page